a lot more people are coming to Canada. We're not producing Canadians ourselves based on some of the fertility rate stats. So we need Canadians here to just make everything go properly, to fill gaps, not in, just in terms of labor, but in terms of many other aspects of Canadian life. So we'll ask an expert what he thinks about the federal government's policy and some of the things that are important to make sure that the numbers that get here end up feeling fulfilled and contribute along with the rest of us. That's on Toronto Today from earlier on Wednesday. Here's Canada's Immigration Minister Sean Fraser explaining the master plan. If you rewind the clock 50 years, you'd see that Canada had seven workers for every retired person. Today, that number's closer to three. By 2035, on our current trajectory, it looks like that number's going to be two. In my part of the country, Atlantic Canada, we're already pretty much there. Two workers for every retired person. If we don't do something to correct this demographic trend, the conversation we're going to have 10 or 15 years from now won't be about labor shortages. It's going to be about whether we have the economic capacity to continue to fund schools and hospitals and public services that I think we too often take for granted. Okay, that's the immigration minister, Sean Fraser. We aren't producing um, Canadians, if you will, via fertility and via childbirth like we used to. We hit a record low in 2020. Our fertility rate decreased from 1.47 children per woman in 2019 to 1.40. Do you think that number is going to go up or do you think that number is going to go down? So in a way, this is preemptive. Um, in a way, this is also uh, a, a bit of a pivot post the pandemic, but there's a cost to the struggle of bringing new Canadians here. There's always important conversations. Who's ready to contribute to the economy right now? What about the strained housing market? Um, where should they all live? Certainly not in just one or two major cities. All of this has layers and nuance to it. Goldie ha uh, Hayter is the president and CEO of the Business Council of Canada. Uh, and we've got Goldie on right now. Thanks very much for joining the show. Good to be with you this morning, Greg. It's so many, so many layers, as I said, and such a complex issue. When you hear that announcement yesterday, is it an encouraging announcement to you? No question. Uh, directionally, it's exactly what's necessary. I want to uh, you know, acknowledge that this is sometimes politically difficult to do, but it's made possible, Greg, because Canadians are smart. Just mm -hmm. recently, surveys showed that 7 in 10 Canadians explicitly expressed support for immigration levels, and that's the largest majority recorded in 45 years. That's coming out of a pandemic. That's coming out of the changing nature of work and so forth. So the wisdom of Canadians here is, look, I get it. If we don't have people, we can't afford the Canada that we built and the Canada that we want for our kids. So that is encouraging. Uh, that's going to mean about 1.2% of our population. It's exactly what, what, what we think we need to replace ourselves. You noted right off the top, you know, can we make babies fast enough? The answer is no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no matter how fast you try, you, it's going to take a long time to get back to that, that 2.1 number that's necessary for a family. So immigration allows us to get... Uh, get to where we need to get to economically, but also socially, Greg. I'll give people the raw numbers, Goldie. 266,210 economic immigrants, typically skilled workers that already know a trade uh, or a skill. Among the rest, 106,000 coming to reunite with their families and 76,000 in terms of refugees. And those are the, I think those are the hard conversations, right? They, those are those are the balances. Those are the things we, we argue about respectfully mm -hmm. in backyards and at kitchen tables. Well, what's the proper percentage? If it tilts too far one way, that's when you have questions about whether it's the right policies well um let me
I mean, it's built off the premise of your question by saying, I think that's where the, the announcement fell short mm-hmm. because um, that balance there is is still not weighted sufficiently to address the actual severe labor shortages that we are all facing. Businesses of all sizes, large, small, it doesn't seem everything in between, is trying to find labor. And the current numbers that uh, we heard yesterday were about 58.5% of the total number of immigrants will be in the so-called economic class category permanent. Uh, we're, we've asked the government to make that 65%. So it fell well short of where we need to be. And that number wasn't just something we picked out of the air. That number is what we believe is necessary to address the labor shortages today, tomorrow, and well into the future because of what you said. The birth rate is still low. Uh, we've got early retirements for a lot of people. COVID has changed the way people work. COVID has changed the fact that you can live in this country and work for another country and another business, if you like. Uh, we've got people who are, you know, the retirement age, we've kept the same. I mean, the, mm-hmm. this one, one of the mistakes the government made was to reduce the retirement age from 67 to 65 after the previous government had raised it. We're living longer, so it should be expected that we're going to work longer. So we've got to adjust some of these other structural things uh, if we're going to take full advantage of uh, what uh, uh, population growth means to our economy, which is effectively growth in our GDP. And that allows us to, again, afford the social infrastructure that we've become reliant on. Goldie Hayter is kind enough to join us, President and CEO of the Business Council of Canada. Can we assign places for immigrants to live? Fraser said yesterday the plan is sending new immigrants to different regions. But I, I do wonder at a certain point whether there would be resistance to that, not either from the immigrants themselves or from people saying, hey, if they're coming here, they get to choose where they set up. Well, look, uh, the Charter, of course, grants uh, those on Canadian soil and, and um, the, the, the ability to move, uh, the sort of mobility clause, it's called. Uh, but there are ways to do this. I think incentives work well to, if you mm-hmm. encourage people uh, to say, look, if you live out here, we'll, we'll work with you to help you figure out you know, some kind of tax uh, reduction or a break or something like that to get you an incent. Uh, pilot projects have worked well in the past. Different governments of different stripes have used pilot projects. Um, we've, in fact, ministers from the Atlanta, Canada, where there was a pilot project. Uh, you know, Greg, um, infrastructure is really key to this. Not everybody wants to come and live in a place where there's road gridlock or, you know, the poor uh, rail systems and so forth. So if we build the infrastructure in different parts of this country, then you're going to be able to encourage people to say, look, I don't want to sit in the Don Valley Parkway all day long, so I'd rather go live in Halifax or go live in, you know, Victoria or something. But you've got to build the infrastructure for that. And by infrastructure, I mean not just roads, but you've got to have proper housing, proper health care. Um, and the irony here, uh, Greg, is it's a chicken and egg thing, right? So people say more immigrants create housing problems. Well, without more immigrants, we can't build the housing that we need to house people. And so it's all connected. These are severe labor shortages that are being uh, felt. We did a survey of our members that said 80% are having difficulty finding skilled workers. And, you know, 67% of them had said uh, projects have either been canceled or delayed. So those projects are often things happening in your communities. It could be your hockey arena being built. It could be a commercial building that's going to house some new uh, you know, company that you've attracted there that's going to employ your neighbor. This is all connected to a very critical issue, and that is we need people to help build not just our, our economy, it's the infrastructure that, that feeds the economy and by extension to build our country. Goldie Hyder, our guest, BCC president and chief executive. Has the liberal government done a good job? I know the conservatives were hammering them yesterday, but that's what's supposed to happen. The immigration critic says, well, here's where the government's getting it wrong. Has the liberal government done a good job? Do they have a good record on immigration? 
Yeah, I think the, the credit actually goes to all, almost all of our political parties who've done the most important thing, which is they've depoliticized this issue. You know, in other countries, immigration is a hot-button issue that divides people across the country. Uh, with the exception of one political party in Canada, of which has won exactly zero seats by advocating for less immigration, uh, our political parties are aligned on the importance of immigration. And I think it reflects uh, both the economic sensibility behind that position, but also a recognition that Canadian people, as I said earlier, uh, we get it. Uh, We know, they know (laughs) that without immigration, we're just not going to be able to sustain and build the kind of Canada that we have. uh, And immigration is going to be key to that. So directionally, we're very encouraged by what the government has announced. There are some gaps, as I pointed out, but I think the credit really goes to Canadians who understand that, look, this is just too vital for our economy for us to play politics with it. Last thing for you, Goldie, you probably spot some of the demographics uh, I see and and the reports with people making an exodus out of Toronto. Some of that's cost. Some of that's maybe not the need to be in five days a week. So we've seen a little bit of flight to the suburbs, which was a natural progression anyway. Um, is that is that something that opens up more spots in Toronto for as what we call economic immigrants that we need in that downtown core with other people, you know, kind of flying the coop and saying, I don't want anything to do with it anymore. Does that open up spots? I think there's some some logic to that. I mean, certainly if you're attracting the kind of um, economic immigrants that we're looking for, they tend to be younger. Uh, they tend to be, um, you know, earlier in their careers. They tend to, to not be looking at a house right out of the gate. They're probably looking at a condo. Uh, they, they accept mobility through, uh, you know, through transport like um, the subways and, 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 you know, and the TTC, et cetera. So I think there is a, there is a case to be made that, that immigrants may help, you know, revitalize some of our downtowns, which have really suffered through uh, COVID as well, and then eventually, you know, obviously they move out. But, you know, the other component of this, Greg, and I think it's important people also focus in on this issue is it's one thing to bring the people here. We're certainly, you know, identifying people to come and we're, we're, we're you know, we have a very aggressive immigration system. We don't just let anybody in. We choose people who we think have a chance to succeed. But one of the, the nooses we still stuck around there next is the issue of foreign credentials. And too many people are here that are underutilized, underemployed. So we've got to help the immigrants that are in that situation. But we've also got to help Canadians. We've got 750,000 people with disabilities that are available to work. We've got women who've been underutilized in our workforce. You know, we've got immigrants, as I mentioned, whose skills are being not recognized. Even if we get to full Mm. capacity of those people, Greg, given our aging, given the size of our economy, given the size of our population, given the size of our country, given the size of the social costs of being Canadian, we're just going to need more people to pay for all of that. That's the simple math that's at work here. I love that answer. It makes it sound like there's a lot of red tape in our country. I never heard of such a thing. Red tape in Canada? Uh, bureau, bureaucratic. You have, call me. you have to call me back for that one. Yeah, right? bu- bu- on that. bureaucratic <laughs> blockades and walls to climb over? I never heard of such a thing. Well, that- my dad likes to say the problem in Canada is there are no problems, so we're busy making them all up. <laughs> Goldie, thanks so much. Enjoy the day. Appreciate you coming on. Good to be with you. Thanks for what you do. Cheers. That's Goldie Hyder, uh, President CEO of the Business Council of Canada. Yeah, look, it's got a lot of complexity to it. He is right about that. I think about that a lot with uh, the the non-politicization non-pol- uh, of immigration. It does feel like it's something where we, we've either advanced in our conversations about it. You have to have that balance. There's no doubt you have to have that balance of people ready to contribute to the economy right away. People that have skilled trades, let's get them into those skilled trades. Let's get them into what they do best.